16. Yeah. One, the big one five. Yeah. We're, we're mobile. Yeah. You got me on the road. You're in a car right now. I am in a car. I'm looking for, well, I already got my, my subway here. Um, this is fun. I feel like, uh, this is like one of those rolling pirate radio stations, like pump up the volume. I feel like I'm broadcasting from a car. (laughs) This is David James Keaton coming to you live from my Honda Civic on the way to Jack in the Box. Oh, you, the globalists are on the march. (laughs) Barack Obama smells like sulfur. Dude, it is so fucking crazy (laughs) that you just mentioned that because I was, uh, talking to my dad the other day and uh dad was sure yeah, your dad alex jones that'd be a great reveal dude my dad talking to my dad alex jones yeah i was talking to my talking to my pops i call him i just call him dad <laughs> <laughs> but uh he was telling me about demons and he was like you know you just got to watch out for the smell of brimstone and sulfur and i was like all right dad smell like sulfur i've seen a shapeshifter today he made me a subway sandwich <laughs> but uh so today was there anything so you want to talk about my... is there anything that we're going to talk about do you, well, do you want to talk about your uh your temper tantrum that you threw last time you went out for subway <laughs> oh my god well there's today went so smooth like i feel uh i have to get in character being mad about it but it was such a fucking fiasco um at the at the drive through window I, I told you about that didn't i right after it happened yeah that I, I went to uh, fucking Jack in the Box, and um, that I mean that shows you how desperate I am because that that gave you diarrhea last time. I, I ate Jack in the Box when I got out here to California because I didn't know it was all so exotic to me. Jack in the Box, Carl's Jr. Mm-hmm. didn't have any of this shit in Louisville, so I was like, these are all this is going to be amazing. And uh, not knowing that In and Out was the good one, yeah. So I ate a Jack in the Box and got the shits. Haven't been back, but I was so fucking hungry i was going around and everything was closed like that's the biggest problem with california is nothing is fucking open mm-hmm. like in louisville shit closed at like four in the morning in pittsburgh you could stay up all night and find stuff was open mm-hmm. california everything closes at like eight o'clock still right. light out right and all these places are closing up and uh i mean i don't know how deep you want to go on my food adventures but i I've been into poke bowl lately. You ever eat this pokey shit? It's no. like a bowl of rice. It's a, so it's like a bowl of rice, um, and then they put like five different kinds of salmon with various sauces on it, and then you throw some fucking seaweed on it. It's pretty tasty. I'm, it's kind of like, um, you ever see the that uh, episode of The Sopranos where Tony Soprano gets into sushi for a minute? Oh, yeah, I remember and he, that. Because... Yeah, because he's always eating all that horrible, heavy food and all the meats and cheeses. And then one day he, like, discovers sushi. And so the, for that episode, it's it's just him, like, trying to get sushi. And mm. him and his wife get sushi. And then he goes by himself, and she's like, oh, I thought it was our thing. So that's what I'm going through right now with Poke Bowl. I'm having a moment with Poke Bowl. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm excited enough. I'm giving this guy, like, huge tips. So I go in there. He makes me my, my Poke Bowl. And I give him, like, the his little window says, was the service good? Was it great? Was it the best ever? So I'm always hitting best ever. And then I got so excited the last couple times. I gave him, like, I kind of fucked up, but then I let it go through anyway, and I gave him the equivalent of my meal in a tip. Mm. So $15 for Poke Bowl. I give him 15 bucks because I'm so excited to eat this shit. Then I show up there at 8.31, and it closes at 8.30. And this guy 
who I had this imaginary relationship with about right. giving me my food, giving him great tips. He's like, oh, bro, sorry, man. We closed at 830. I'm thinking, motherfucker, I thought we had something together. I've been giving you these huge tips. You can't throw me a, together a bowl of fucking rice yeah. and, this, and some delicious salmon. Yeah. It's, I know it's one minute after, but I can see that the stuff's not put away yet. Right. It's all still in the little bin, right. you know? Like, you can't throw me a bone, man. I thought we had this thing. I used to hate it when people I, would come in uh, late. But to be honest with you, like, if somebody was willing to pay me my entire, uh, like, an extra hour salary for a couple, like, five, six minutes more of work, I think I would have done it. Dude, I was ready to give him the pink slip to my car to get that Pokeball. Mm-hmm. And, and just the fact that it's so close. Like, I understand that, too. I worked in retail for, like, a decade. So when somebody comes in at the last minute, they're hated. Mm-hmm. But I thought that's why I kept giving them these big tips. I was always coming in right around 8. So I didn't know that they closed at 8.30, but that was horrible, right? So it's 8.30, it's closed. So desperation sinks in. So I go to, um, how did the, oh, I went to, uh, I rolled past McDonald's, but there's this post-apocalyptic thing going on on these roads around here where it's, you know how like, not even post-apocalyptic, you know those movies that are, pre-apocalyptic like the first mad max mm-hmm. or children of men mm-hmm. so shit's just starting to get fucked up things don't work well but it's you wouldn't really call it apocalyptic right that's what's happening around here i don't know if it's happening nationwide but like the lights aren't on at mcdonald's so they seem to be they're serving but the lights in the parking lot aren't on and the golden arches are off so that looks weird and then i go over to and i didn't want to go in there so i go over to uh popeye's chicken and I roll up to the drive-thru, and there's two orange cones in front of the drive-thru to stop you from going through the drive-thru. Hmm. And that's, a, that's like pre-apocalyptic shit. Like, things aren't working right. Right. And so, I, let's see, what, there was another, there was a third thing I tried to go to. You tried there. to go oh, to Subway. Yes, yeah, uh, closed. Ike's Loving Sandwiches closed at 8. I was a half hour late there. So everything's fucking closed, and I'm starving, and I didn't want to go to the grocery store and um so i went to fucking jack in the box and i <laughs> and i think i talked to you right after this happened uh but i pulled up and i said give me the jack's spicy chicken sandwich and there's a little window and the little window on the on the little display says uh like j chicken sand uh like for five bucks or whatever so it pops up in the thing like give me the jack's chicken sandwich and give me, and I was going to start to say, like, give me uh, two of two cookies or whatever. And the voice, she goes, just the burger? And uh, it kind of threw me, and I was like, I don't, I don't want a fucking Jack's burger. That gave me diarrhea last time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, no, the, just the Jack's chicken sandwich. And then the chicken sandwich on the window vanished. And then I start to panic, you know, like, oh, no. <laughs> We've mm-hmm. started this misunderstanding. Is, well, I'm never going to get out of this loop. So I said, no, just the, the Jack's chicken sandwich. And then it comes up again. And she goes, okay, just the burger or the combo? And I said, no, I'm sorry. Is is the Jack's spicy chicken, that's that's a chicken sandwich, right? Because now I'm thinking it's got a burger on it. Yeah. And she goes, and then and vanishes again. And then uh, the regular chicken sandwich shows up on the window. So it, she's misunderstanding me again. And she's putting up the, like the, the kid's chicken or whatever. <sighs> And it says two bucks or something. And I said, no, no, I don't want the regular chicken. I want Jack's spicy chicken. And then it pops up again. And she goes, 
just a burger? <laughs> I said, why do you keep saying burger? Dude, you're in the endless. You ended up in the endless. <laughs> the endless. And it vanished again. And then she goes, sir, I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to figure out what you want. So it's not a language barrier. Mm-hmm. It's just she's she's doing what I told you last couple episodes ago about the staffed thing where somebody gets in right. that that loop of what they this is our policy this is, it's like yeah. yeah so i said why do you keep saying burger and then she and she says i'm just trying to help you and i said just i just want the jack's chicken sandwich that pops back up and then i go seriously why is everything a burger like hoping we could have a moment mm-hmm. and she just and there's like a pause and she goes 679 at the window <laughs> and i sat there for a second she hates your fucking guts and then I dude laughed. Dude, I sat there and I laughed and I had to back up to leave because I couldn't face it. I couldn't face her. I was embarrassed about everything that had happened. Yeah. So I back up and it's one of those serpentine drive throughs there. So you have to, like, I, it wasn't easy to back out. And she must have just sat there watching this happen like a moonwalking out of the room. It's so embarrassing. If you found so that compelling, if you found that compelling, the book is called The Last Projector by David James Keaton. <laughs> There is a drive situation in that in that book, actually. I uh, just to just so that anyway, I don't so- just so that I don't add on to that too much, but I just have to rant real quick, actually, about fucking AT and T. And and anybody who's uh-huh. who's this is our this is your first time listening to the podcast. I promise we don't normally spend ten minutes complaining about drive-throughs in AT and T, but. <laughs> We're making a special exception for this one. I might even put like a trigger warning at the beginning of the episode. It's like if you don't like two grouchy, grouchy middle-aged men like ranting about fucking this shit. Um, but like but AT&T, okay, so I got this cable deal with AT&T where I, for 30 extra bucks a month I get direct TV. And I signed up for it because you essentially – you get one of – you can get an iPhone free if you sign up for this direct TV service, okay? <clears throat> Right. So I, I sign up for it, and what AT&T tries to do is they try to make those bills separate. So there's a different collector that you have to call in order to get your direct TV bill paid. And so I didn't know that, so I months and months went by without me, because I thought it was all bundled into one thing. I thought when I was paying my phone bill, I was paying my direct TV bill also. And so my direct TV gets cut off, and so I'm trying to pay the whole thing. Which it's like it's like an extra like couple hundred dollars. It really sucked. But anyway, so I'm like I go to this one bill collector and they're like, Oh, sir, it looks like your bill has already been paid. I'm like, No, 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 I need to I need to pay my direct T V bill bill pay thing and I'm like they're like, Oh, okay, well, let me get you to a different department there and then I talk to somebody, I have the exact same conversation and they're like, Oh, that's joint billing, let me get you them. I'm like, Okay, cool. And so I get to them and this person is uh, uh, like, oh, well, sir, if I if I process your payment for this, it's a $5 fee. Do you want to just do the automated one? And I was like, yeah, sure, I guess. If it saves me 5 bucks, I'll do the automated one. And then the automated voice comes on and says, you have a balance of $0. And I'm like, fuck, they sent me back to the goddamn 18th. So that was my, that was my thing. Anyway, moving on, moving right along. Did you... Did you have a you had stuff that you wanted to talk about before we get into the endless, right? Was there there was were we going to talk about comedy first? Well, there was um <laughs> there was that uh, hilarious exchange on the internet where um I mean, we might as well just we're, we're already upset the service industry, we might as well just jump in fucking head first with this, but the, <laughs> the Louis CK thing happened where he uh if people didn't notice um 
he, he went back and did a surprise show. So mm-hmm. there was headlines everywhere where people were saying, Louis C.K. slithers back into the limelight. It was, right. They used to slither a lot. And, uh, you know, you can see their point. Like, he kind of... Uh, not, not, I, wanna, I certainly don't want to use the language that he forced himself on an audience. Mm-hmm. But it's a little unusual that you're... Let's say you have a visceral reaction to the dude. You go to a show... And you don't expect to see that guy that you really, really hate, who's sure. like in your fresh in your mind is somebody that really disgusts you. But then again, on the other side of it, that's what happens when you go see stand-ups: is the the big guys, the big stars, they'll crash yeah. a, a, like a low rent, and that's that's part of it. Um, so it's not like you know, it, it's not quite the ambush that some of these articles were making it sound. Either way. Louis C.K. aside, what was so frustrating is that somebody found, uh, you know, usually people want to manufacture this perfect answer to, to, the, to the hot takes. Mm-hmm. Everybody's posting about how much they're mad at Louis C.K. So how do you respond to it? Well, everybody found a shortcut, and the shortcut was an article that said, you know, don't want to listen to Louis C.K.? Here are 51 other options, new comedians that are great, Listen to them instead. I believe that the and headline so of the article just, was actually, here are 51 comedians who didn't force somebody to watch them masturbate. <laughs> That's some great clickbait, right? Yeah. Um, Which, now, how do you know, know, bitch? You don't know. fucking know. Exactly. How did they know those 51 people didn't do that? Because some of those look like they might do that daily 100%. when I was watching their videos. Either way. So that, that thing starts going around. So people are just using it as a shortcut. Like somebody will say, Somebody will, and not even a bad faith question, they'll say, what do you guys think of this, this Louis C.K. thing? And then somebody's like, bam, you know, like here, uh, discussion over, here's your other option. Mm-hmm. And what's weird about that is I already don't think that there's, to think about uh, one, uh, let's say it's a, a piece of art. If Louis C.K. in his jerk-off material is a piece of art, um, you can't really replace it with another piece of art. I know I throw the painting thing around a lot, but think about that. Like, here's another painting. You don't... You know, you can't look at this other painting because it's been ruined for you. Here's another one. Mm -hmm. And to say that is disingenuous because even if it was a Louis C.K. type artist, right? Mm -hmm. But of course, the list is not that. The the list is bullshit because what's happening is what it should have said was, you really hated Louis Mm C.K. Even before he outed himself as kind of a pervert, then you'd love these people because they're nothing like him. Right. So it's a, the whole fucking article was suspect, and I wanted, and I I figured it was because I was looking at it, and it was just these arbitrary names that were selected for various diversity reasons. And I started to watch the video um, of the top. I watched about twenty of them, and starting at the top of the list because they weren't in alphabetical order, I assumed those must be the good ones. And oh my god, were they fucking terrible! Whoops! And I started to send them to you. I started to send them to you and say, okay. It's not that I want these people to fail on this list to prove my point, but why is this shit not funny? Is it a generational thing? Mm-hmm. And the one I sent you was, describe what the video was of this, uh, this up-and-coming hot new comedian. How does the, what did you see? Okay, so there were two of them, but I believe the one that you were speaking of was the one that I found particularly egregious, which um, begins with a gentleman uh, removing his clothes. He has a Speedo underneath. He's in kind of one of those red brick type comedy bars, right, where there's a mic and, you know, the kind I'm talking about. And he, um, 
Right, right. He says, oh, I'm so embarrassed, and everybody laughs, and you know, he's got a good rapport with the audience. And then I start watching, and he puts on this uh, dress and this wig, right? And this music begins to play that's kind of that, you know, Sunday morning farm music, that da-na-na-na-na-na. And he begins speaking in uh, a southern accent, but they're not they're not he he begins to say these these kind of platitudes and non sequiturs but they don't they don't like they're not jokes they don't really make sense they're not I, jokes <laughs> i was trying <laughs> to figure out he was like yeah sometimes i know when i just look up at the stars someone else might be looking at those stars i'm 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 paraphrasing but it's about like that and it goes on for fuck man i think 15 minutes um it was long and does it does it ever change? Long, I stopped because I couldn't anymore. No, no, it was bad. That was, and I watched that one early on, so I was pretty uh, forgiving, thinking it's, it was going to get funny. And um, it was fucking terrible. It was like uh, it was like college shit, you know, where people mm-hmm. just throw everything at the wall to see what sticks. And I'm sure on a college campus, it's a delight to watch somebody, you know literally and figuratively naked in front of you mm-hmm. just seeing what what they've got um but it's not fucking comedy and that's what i said i was yeah. complaining to somebody else about it because i came across one that was similar and i can't remember her name now um but it was actually very interesting so imagine if that guy didn't suck so bad that you could have something interesting but as this other person was saying i don't know if um it might have been my sister uh it's not it's not stand-up comedy. It's something. It's a third thing, right? So maybe if we're to, be, if we want to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe that list is a list of things that we aren't going to understand and we're not going to like because the new version of comedy is this free-form fucking Midsummer Night's Dream uh, soliloquy, uh, and there's no jokes. And maybe that's all that's left. I don't know because, and this is gonna. I should bring up that one post. Like, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but it was on somebody else's page. Somebody put that that list up, and then oh my god, here's your alternative. Wait, can I? Are you going to talk about this actual quote? Can I actually just read it? Yeah, is it is it mean to do that? Like, it's not a friend of mine. It's a friend of somebody else's, but we're not going to say their name. No, but it reads. It's definitely a case of uh, is it. Poe's law where satire is indistinguishable from yes. the real thing. Yeah, yeah. Is it, if, it, if it's okay it's with you, I'll read it. I won't say any – I won't even say any of the names uh, of the comedians mentioned. I don't really think that this is going to be searchable, so I think we're cool. I think we're in the clear here. Okay. What? Because it, it really – it's almost like a fable. It yeah. almost it, – it illustrates exactly what we're saying better than we ever could. Okay. Go ahead. What was the quote? Okay. So here's this person who is, has posted that 51 comics thing and their quote, uh, underneath it goes something like this started seeing what was available on Netflix, referring to this list. And I liked Dion Cole until his one transphobic comment about Caitlyn Jenner. And I liked fortune Feimster until she bragged about being a gold star lesbian. Since that kind of mentality is exclusionary and smacks of by erasure though, until those two points, their sets were very good. Okay. What the, what is the, where do we even start with this? Okay. Because dude, all right. You and me are a couple of guys. We're a couple of guys on the left, right? And yeah, we're, 
We're straight white dudes, right? And I'm on the far left. I'm a ble- I'm a bleeding heart liberal dude. Yeah. Bleeding heart. Yeah, but what is? But that, but I think that I think that this is something. I think that this is something more akin to the horseshoe theory because I think that we have created rules that are very good. Like, don't be shitty to black people. Don't be shitty to gay people. Don't be shitty to trans people. The list goes on and on and on. But what a lot of people who I feel deep in their heart of hearts are cops took those rules and decided, oh, this is another way that I can be a fucking cop. Now everything that I watch can be under this hypercritical lens where I'm not looking for any kind of quality. I don't care if this makes me happy or not because the only thing that brings me joy is pointing out its pedantic flaws that I can share with other people for little likes on social media. It's just cops, dude. It's just people being cops. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I can't get in the head of that particular person. And again, that's probably a friend of a friend. So I'm sure that person is perfectly normal off the evil internet. But on the internet, it looked like that person had, because they had originally posted that list, started to watch the thing to vet it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, immediately started, uh, I think a fear probably crept in where the person thought, oh my God, I promoted this thing and I'm vetting it and it's making me um, uncomfortable for these reasons. Those are the kinds of things that I think uh, that person, even if the, the intentions are good, is going to have a lonely, lonely time watching comedy because mm-hmm. that means that you, you're going to exclude almost I wouldn't even say almost every single significant comedian ever would, would not pass that test. No, not even close. You couldn't watch arguably the best ones, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, uh, Lenny Bruce, uh, George Carlin. You can't watch their old standups without They're being like, Ooh, that. that wouldn't, play, that wouldn't play well today. Mm-hmm. They put raw and delirious up on Netflix Oh boy. And I was like, sweet. And I started watching it and I was like, oh my, I hope. Yeah, where he's telling me, he's saying, he's saying. The bomb shelter. Yeah, none of you F words better be looking at my ass, right? Like, it's like, oh, geez, this is really. Uh, It's all that, yeah, all the gay passion. Yeah, yeah, and it's, there's just so much in there that would just make people cringe. And, And that's not even like the Andrew Dice Clay stuff, which is purposely offensive, or the Lenny Bruce stuff, which was was simply manufactured to offend. That was part of the joke. You don't, if you don't want to participate in that, maybe the solution is somebody who goes up there and does a funny voice and does a little dance and then says, there you go. You feel like you were entertained. Right. Maybe that is their solution. Maybe that is the, the, the final solution for not being offended at comedy. Right. And I think that um, it's just a matter of semantic, like not semantics, but it's, it's the microscope versus the telescope. Okay, so if you look at somebody's entire career, maybe, um, and you look at their actions outside of that career, you can make a good case for that person uh, not being good and not being worthy of support. Take, for example, like a, a Nazi, for example. You know, it's like, okay, I don't need to go read Mein Kampf. I, I get think, it. Real, real, quick, are, real quick, are you using Nazi because I unfortunately used the phrase final solution earlier i heard it come out of my mouth and i thought <laughs> i'm probably not supposed to use that that's, that's like a dog whistle right now it is anyway, yeah, yeah. i no, hope no, i didn't that did i inception you with nazi dog you it was definitely an inception because i did not notice it directly but um but no so i think that, i drew attention to it god yeah, damn it yeah exactly and it's all staying in bro <laughs> um 
No, I, th- I think it's, it's the telescope versus the microscope, right? So, you know, you can have this kind of holistic view of a person and you can do your best to sort of understand through whatever faculties you have available to you, uh, who this person is and what they're trying to do. Or you can pick out literal, like in this, in this person who, again, I'm sure is very nice in their, in their comment, uh, it's three words, gold star lesbian, right? So this person says, I'm a gold star lesbian. And this person hears those three words and is like, nope, that's by erasure. Which, by the way, what what is, is that a thing? Is it like, is it when people say like, oh, bi, bi people aren't real? Is that what it is? Because I see this on Twitter all the time. I see these long scolding screeds to no one in particular. Like I saw one today, this woman was just ranting. She was like, if you're making fun of an actor for having been an actor and now working at Starbucks, fuck you, because life is hard and there's no shame in having a an, a job. And I'm like, who are you who yelling are you talking at? to? <laughs> who are you talking to? That's the thing. I I miss my early my early days on the internet where I also thought everyone was talking directly to me. Yeah, those were some fun. Those were some fun times. But yeah, dude, like like I was telling you, uh, I think it was yesterday or something that. The Midwest, I was back in Minnesota, and talk, when I talked to people in Ohio, nobody knows what the fuck we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We are so deep in a liberal bubble mm-hmm. that to them, they see like the Tasmanian devil cloud of, of teeth and feet and hands, and it's just liberal on liberal violence, mm-hmm. because we're like, you can't say that, you can't do that, you can't do that. And to them, they're like, what are you even talking about? Right. I tried to bring up one of the conversations about... I think it was about Louis C.K. with somebody, and they were like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" <laughs> and it's it's like because we don't have the, our eye on the fucking ball, dude. We don't have our eye on the ball. Like we're gonna beat each other's throats about which comedian is allowed to perform. There couldn't be anything less fucking important. I know Truth. the optics of it, and I know what people are saying about you know if uh, terrible men in terrible places. But his was and always will be that gray area where that's not where the fucking fight is. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? That's mm-hmm. where the fight gets muddy, and that's where people with good intentions destroy each other. And it's just fucking embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And to watch that, the hot takes go on for 48 hours on every social media with that list of terrible comedians. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't say terrible, because, uh, as I said, my sister swooped in to uh, argue with me, mm-hmm. and uh, she started steering me towards the better ones. And um, they're buried in there. There's some decent ones, mm-hmm. but again, by and large, still, trash I though. Still, I would still, yeah, I would still stick by my original statement that they are not geared towards people that are looking for an alternative to Louis C.K. I think that comedy, it's not one of those things where you can say, in in other forms of art, yes, it's very easy to, and it's a good thing to say, diversity will help everything get better. We need more diverse voices, et cetera, et cetera. With comedy, I think that because of the inherent nastiness of the best comedy and because jokes are more quantifiably funny, like you can pin down and I I think I can recognize what's funny or not. I know that's pretty cocky, but I think I know what's funny. I don't necessarily know what's a good poem or what's a good book or what's a good song or even what's a good movie, even though we're doing a movie podcast. Mm -hmm. But I think I know what's actually funny. And, And I don't know why that's where my talents lie, but... I can tell you without hesitation that most of the people on that list are not, if we go by the definition of comedy, they're not fucking funny. You know what it reminds me of? You don't just say it doesn't replace one thing with another. 
You know what it reminds me of is when I was in high school, um, actually it was probably middle school, I went to church a lot. And we would get these uh, like Christian magazines, right? These kind of Baptist magazines. And they would have in the back, they would have um, album reviews, right? I think it was like a focus on the family Uh type thing, right? So they would review the newest corn album and it would be a warning to parents, you know, like this is the content of And they would vary kind of with just penises fully engorged, just be typing about the lascivious shit that they found in these albums, right? <laughs> it's like in this one, oh, he talks about right. killing his parents. And, but at the end of it, they would have, if you, don't, if you don't want your kid listening to this, have him try this. And it was, you know, some band like, you know, the, 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 the Soul Avengers or something. And it's like, if you like, if you like hardcore metal, but it's also got Christian lyrics, check this out. And... I, you listen to a few of them, and it's immediately evident that everything that makes like System of a Down good is gone, and has just been replaced with just this milk toast bullshit. And again, <clears throat> it is that horseshoe thing because the left has now become what the right was when I was in middle school and high school, where it's like if you don't if you don't want the meanie stuff, here's the nice stuff, here's the nice version. And every time you get the nice version. You have all the good Christians who go and pretend to laugh at it. Because you, did you hear that in a lot of those videos? That fake fucking laughter where people know they're supposed yeah. to be reacting, but they're like, ha, 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 ha. Because they, right. want, they, want to be, they don't want the fucking uh, people to go after them. So it's like, oh, they I, I had the, better. The dirty, they don't want the dirty laugh. They don't want to feel that dirty laugh when somebody says something really out of line. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. what comedy is. Right. It's really out of line. Right. And it's so, you know, it's it's funny, so basically gonna, it's gonna, just. At the end of the day, it's it is that it's it's that in a nutshell. It's just what we're doing now. And you know, if that's what you want, the same way if if you want to go to church and you want to have the sanitized uh, Limp Biscuit album that has none of the bad words in it and is about Jesus instead, that's on you. You know, but me. I'm fucking. I got a skateboard. I got a backwards baseball cap. I'm listening to Fred Durst all the way, baby. <laughs> Nobody's gonna tell me what to do, dude. Uh- just to, since I'm in the car, this is pretty funny. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on your metaphor in a really embarrassing way. I'm okay. gonna if anybody if I'm, anybody wants to see like we we tend to always agree on here. This is gonna be a fun disagreement because it's gonna make me look like a total fucking idiot. Uh-huh. So I'm in the car, right? I'm listening to Cold. I don't know if did you hear this. I'm gonna turn it up a little. Yeah, I remember Cold. Had that bald guy. Okay, so Cold. Yeah. This this gets a lot of auto tune in it, but I don't know if you can hear this. <laughs> no, it's very very Wait. very faint. It's it's like uh, it. Hold on, real quick. I want to get to the big to the big uh, chorus. Here. The big drums coming. Big drums coming. Oh oh oh. Kind of so this is fucking hilarious. Wait, is was called a Christian watch, band? Watching, watching films with Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, this is what's so sad about this. So cold, cold was just you know a typical new metal kind of corn knockoff, right? I saw him live in Toledo, so I got into him. I got their uh, fourteen ways to bleed on stage or whatever. I had that album too. Um, yeah, and it's pretty sweet. Well, they ended up being like a Christian band, and it was so, so insidious. 
So like did I, POD. I buying their new... Yeah, did they also kind of morph under the radar? Like, these guys, I bought their... kept buying their albums, and I hit this this different kind of pain album, right? Mm-hmm. I'm listening to it just like I am tonight. Clearly, I'm still listening to it. Cause that's what I do when my wife's out of town is I drive around and listen to new metal. And uh, it's, I started to notice about halfway through this album, like, wait, that's called God's song. And then there was another one. She, he says, uh, nothing sadder when the angels fly away. And then another, another one was about something about saying something in heaven. Whack. Like, wait a minute. Whack. Wait a minute. What just happened? Whack. Because, and here's the thing. I didn't discover, I didn't realize that until I probably listened to this about 20 times because you can easily replace all these moments with, if you just talk about God or heaven or Jesus, you could be talking about a girl or whatever, you know what I mean? Like all the, all the lyrics stay essentially the same. And so you can plug it in regardless. And I would just gently push back and say, that this is if, less if about this my is point. Rock. This is less about my point and more about the fact that you feel guilty about liking cold and you should. But I'm just saying to go back to my focus on the family thing because I, I just now realized they used to do this where um, I remember they were doing a review for um, Creed's My Own Prison, right? And, and Creed was yeah. essentially a Christian band. Um, which is hilarious right, considering right, the way they, Scott they Stapp went. They went the other direction, right? They, they sort of like tried yeah, to gloss over that. Yeah, 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 exactly. But like in in the album review, you know, he's talking about it and it touches on a lot of Christian themes and how, you know, it's about coming to Christ and, and getting over your demons. And they're like, but there are some songs that seem to glorify alcohol use a little bit too much. And that to me seems exactly <laughs> like that Facebook comment where it's like, oh, we almost got bit. it. We almost got the themes that we wanted, but... You know, there are a few songs that use, you know, words that I don't like. And uh, so, you know, a swing, swing and a Dude, miss. Like, why, why does everything have to be discounted and erased if, there, if, there's, a, if there's a slip? Like, mm-hmm. you know that there, there are people that are constantly, uh, that, like, remove me from their lives on social media because I say something that doesn't align with, you know, the, their, their purity test. It's like, you're going to discount all the conversations we had and essentially send me the signal that we're not going to communicate again because I said I was probably going to go see the new Terry Gilliam movie, mm. even though he said something stupid about the me too movement. Right. Like, so you don't get a, you can't make, you can't have a single slip. Right. So what are these people going to do in, if they want to go see comedy? Because most of the time you're in comedy you know, you, you tend to like align yourself with what you like, but you're still going to get shit you don't like because that's the game, right? Is to see mm-hmm. what bu- buttons they could push. Then they go back home and, you know, workshop it. And then they try to, they try to hit that, that sweet spot. I mean, I'll admit when I, I don't want to be one of those people that are like, Oh, I never liked Louis CK. I always knew he was a fucking loser. I think he was fucking hilarious. But I remember saying to Amy at one point, like, you know, I get kind of sick of his jerk off material. And this was two years ago. Two years ago, he, was, he had this long extended thing about jerking off. And I don't know if it's because he's physically kind of a pile of shit that I kind of don't want to hear about him talk about jerking off because mm-hmm. I can really picture it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he talks about it a lot. And, he, uh, he does. And I remember saying it to her, I'm like, man, I, I wish we could get on to his, his horrifying, uh, like the, the joke about uh, if, if somebody kidnaps and molests my children, um, 
I'm, I would I wish they knew it was okay to molest them and not kill them so that no one finds out. Just please send them home. You can molest I them. I remember that one. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember that, that one. That is some dark, dark, dark shit. And, like, that's way more offensive than the jerk-off stuff. But I remember thinking, man, if you would just quit, talk about, quit talking about masturbating and get to this other stuff, because it was like a good 15 minutes of that material. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know what my point was. My, I guess my point is, like, that they're not always going to like connect with you, even if you were a fan, even if you are a fan. Um, but with, by their standard, I have to, every single person that says something like, ew, then I can't, I can't be a part of it. Yeah. I can't be a part of it. Same Cause way. that's what they're doing is spirit. Spiritually. They're saying ew. you know right. what I'm saying? Right. It's the same thing as it's the same cringe you'd get from just something that's gross out humor, except it's gross to their, you know, understanding of the way things should be, if that makes any fucking sense. Um, I'm actually sitting in my driveway now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go in. Let's. I'll call you back. You I'll go ahead and talk for a second. I was well, going to say, I could call you I back. I don't have to. Oh, I've got a driveway now, dude. I can walk right up to my house. Oh, hell yeah. This is some, this is some fancy shit. Well, I'll start then by talking about the film that we're going to be talking about today, which is called The Endless. <laughs> it was uh, released last year in yeah. 2017. <laughs> And basically, the uh, the movie is about a pair of brothers who grew up in some kind of strange cult, and they left the cult and were away for 10 years, and when the movie starts out, they're working in a cleaning business, and they're bored, and they're kind of sad with their lives, and one of the brothers decides that he is going to go back to the cult and just see kind of like what's going on. So the other brother reluctantly follows. There's about an hour of like people just sort of hanging out and doing stuff. And then things get weird. I was promised a Lovecraftian movie. Uh, I don't think that I really got it because when you sort of figure out what's going on in this commune, as it were, as much as you can figure it out, it becomes – it's basically like a, sort of a coming-of-age story about brothers that at the end turns into Primer. Um and then there's yeah, this kind it's... of Lovecraftian being. I was, I feel like I was extremely let down for two reasons. One, I didn't, I didn't feel like it had the Lovecraftian dread that is necessary to to have that kind of title. And two, the um, the color palette of the movie is extraordinarily ugly and drab. And I thought that it was ugly and drab because it was going to pull a Pleasantville and there was going to be some wild ass psychedelic shit that happened towards the end. And all these colors are going to pop out and we're going to be able to sort of see, you know, all this, you know, cool shit, but it never changed. It was always this sort of sepia tone that I found extremely yeah, I aesthetically unappealing. I think that's, um, that's something that they do, uh, to make like a, to make a low budget movie look a little better you know, desaturate it. Otherwise it would look like a soap opera. So, you know, if you, you bleed all the color out, it's to make it look a little better, you know, I prefer prefer the soap opera. I prefer that dude. Well, well, think about that CGI fire that looked so bad in that movie. It would have looked really bad if it was nice. And the worst CGI fire. ever. In fact, the the CGI in general (laughs) in this movie is fucking terrible. I really don't understand actually what, because people love this. It's got 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Everybody on my Facebook timeline said it was amazing. And uh, I was I was massively underwhelmed by it because I think that in there, this was a movie that was very, very concerned with the relationship between these two brothers. And somehow it managed to be long, 
but then when it resolved itself at the end, it still somehow felt rushed. And uh, and the, the brothers for for how like one is kind of the leader and uh, is a skeptic, and the other one is the follower, but he's also kind of the follower of the cult. They they didn't they never felt like real people to me. They felt like uh, two dueling ideologies. Yeah. I'll stick up for it a little bit. I'll take a I'll take a position of liking it a little more than you, and which is ironic because I'm usually the one who hates the shitty effects when there's shitty effects and it's mm-hmm. definitely got bad special effects, but I feel like they did a lot with what they had as far as, um, if we think of it not as a Lovecraftian movie and not heading towards some sort of cosmic horror, which we don't get. Um, so spoilers, I, I think it's firmly in the realm of a time travel movie and in the time travel genre, it, it kind of reminds me of time crimes and triangle where, mm-hmm. It's all about the, the, the horror of a loop. And uh, Triangle was really good at that. I don't know if you saw that one where they're in the Bermuda Triangle. Mm-mm. And uh, have you ever seen that movie? No. There's a moment in that. Um, are you ever going to watch it? Can I ruin a moment No, go for, for it. Well, there's a moment where somebody, uh, they're in a loop similar to all the little mini loops in this movie. So somebody, um, through some sort of fight, stabs the other person and they're kind of horrified and they like, why did you stab me? And they stumble outside and then they collapse into this, um, uh, like the foredeck of some, of some yacht, they collapse there. And when you find out that there's a loop that happened, they show that scene again and the person collapses and then they pan back and there's like 50 of them mm-hmm. that have collapsed mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, that sort of thing is similar to the moment in the movie where the guy was stuck in a really short loop and how hellish that would be. And um, that's the kind of the time travel terror um, that you know, Pr- Primer had that dread really, really well done. But I think it does more with that. It definitely does not deliver on the Lovecraft. I think the Lovecraft is just a shortcut to say, we're not going to answer any questions, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there's, they're not going to answer anything. And, um, just for, for some context, these loops I'm talking about, they go to the site, this campsite where this cult is, and they find that there's these, um, these little structures that kind of look like, uh, like when they show that video of the guy pouring metal into the ant farm or into mm-hmm. the anthill and mm-hmm. pulled out all that aluminum. So it's like a, it almost looks like a termite hill. And wherever you see two of those, you know that that's the end or beginning of one of these loops mm-hmm. that can start and stop. Um, if I'm reading it right, we just saw it. This is one of the rare episodes where we just watched this movie and then I ran for food. Right. Uh, so our interpretation might be off. but So these little bitty loops, um, they're like little junior versions. So somebody could, they could be repeating a week or it seems like they could be re- repeating a day. Some of them are only repeating a few minutes. And you'll see, like, they'll meet a character that's in one of those loops, and uh, the, the characters that were following their point of view, they'll see them restart and start the situation over again. So we already we know that that how long that loop is. And probably what I thought was the most effective part was they stumble across where a loop is so short that um, somebody is just literally running from one of these gates to the next and looking really, really tortured yeah and the hell of that must have been so disturbing for the other people that are at that camp 
but they if I'm reading it right, it looks like they put a they put a tent over him and they put a clock on it as a way of saying, well, this is our dirty secret. Don't go over here because you're mm-hmm. gonna have to watch Bob run through this. He's gonna run through this gate for eternity and you know scream in torment. And you don't want to look at that. So we're going to put a tent over it, and we're just going to be like, don't go down that road. And that's the kind of shit that I thought re- worked really, really well. I thought that um, that worked well. And you well. also liked the I – love, I love the Go hillbillies, ahead. man. And you know what's so funny about that is I looked, it up, I looked it up online, and apparently these guys uh, who made this movie, who are also the two main characters, they also wrote and directed it um, – they uh, their, their first they movie. Spring, I remember. Yeah, yeah, but their first movie in 2012 was called Resolution, and it was actually about the two hillbillies in the cabin. The guy who's trying to kick crack. It's those two. It's a whole hour and a half movie about those two guys. Um, and interesting. And so, the, so yeah. the time, there's time travel in it too. Yeah, it's it's the exact same world. So the the director, the, their characters appear briefly within the within the first movie, right? So in a sense, we kind of watched a sequel and we didn't even know it. I mean, it stands on its own. Interesting. Yeah. That's funny because when those, when they came to those two characters, um, I think I texted you something like, I want to see a movie with just these guys. And you're, you're telling me right now is that that essentially exists. Yeah, it exists. It's called revolution. It was their first one, but yeah, no, them and the, the other guy who's stuck in the shed, that guy fucking rules, you know? Uh, yeah, he, he's great. As soon as the movie like we did talking. those hillbilly things, like that's where it took off. I'm like, oh, it's entertaining now. Great, this is cool. You know, we don't have to watch like kind of boring conversations and watch this like skinny little nerd dude look at a chalkboard full of equations and be like, I don't know what it is. I'm not sure what's going see, on I around kinda, here. I, really, I, I like that stuff, but like you, I was surprised to find that maybe I like the other stuff more. Like all that. Like Primer is those nerds, right? Primer is those four four guys are then reduced to two guys just standing in a garage for most of it talking about these things, you know, like philosophically and the implication of what's happening. And they avoid any crappy computer effects. They just do it through conversations, and it works really well. Mm-hmm. And this movie does that, too, for a while. But then it introduces us to two, like... Uh, Two people that are that symbolize like the common man, like what is a guy who's not a part of the camp? He just lives on the periphery. He would be the guy in the, like in Cabin in the Woods, the guy that they have to get past to get to the camp. Like mm-hmm. the guy who's like, "What are you boys doing out here? Right, right, right. What are you, what are you, what the fuck are you doing, fucking around with that?" Mm-hmm. So that's one of those guys. We meet him, and he's he's in a loop yeah. that seems to last about about a half hour or whatever, where he keeps. And he, has to, and he doesn't have to, but he keeps committing suicide and it restarts. And to watch a, a, like the common man deal with this time anomaly, it turns out I was more interested in that. Yeah. Because they were dealing it in both a practical way and a very visceral way. Mm-hmm. Like shooting at the sky like, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. fuck you for making me relive my life. Like they're, and they're also, they're, because they're talking about these things, like the other people are saying phrases like, what was the one phrase? An un- unknowable, an impossible color. What's an impossible color? Mm-hmm. And all these really clever turns of phrase. Whereas the other guys are just like, uh, it's just a, a real basic ejaculation of emotion if you're stuck in that situation. Right, right. Um, and there's two, there's three guys that are in that 
situation when he starts to kind of spiral out from the camp and he runs into the, it's like the locals. The locals have been dealing with these same time anomalies and they're doing it in ways that I just thought was a little more fun. I don't know. Yeah. It's like when they first, uh, when, when that, uh, first guy who keeps killing himself, I think you described it very well as I like the, the redneck version of the philosophy a lot better than the nerd version. And I do too, because he gives you kind of a rundown as best as he can understand it, as best as anybody can understand it about like what's going on. And it's a lot of like grunting and kind of like, I don't know, it's like you go that way, you come out that way. It just keeps happening, you know, and it's, it feels like I understood what he meant more than the, the color that you can't see right. thing, which I understand. I mean, I get, I get that as poetry, but you know. Right. But it's also like if the, if the philosophers, if aren't going to explain it either. If that's just like lip service and fun language, then I kind of want the other because the, the, they didn't explain anything. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of layering of old technology. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of cassette tapes. It's, it's definitely, you know, pandering to the, to the nostalgia there for old technology. There's tapes and there's old videotapes and there's reel to reel stuff. And there's the VCRs and, they're stockpiling all this information. And the movie starts with somebody receives a tape, you know, and then they receive a videotape that says, Hey, this is uh, this life you used to have. Um, and so they go there and it's, it, the thing is set up kind of weird and they kind of abandon it where one of the brothers seems to be recording his experiences. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. He's like, this is why we went back. And I'm thinking, is this, we got two layers of bookends here. Are we going to come back to one of these tapes? Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad they didn't, but it just shows that there's this, um, and I, and I've done this too. When I'm working on something, you kind of kick the can down the road and it's like false starts, right? Like I'm going to start with these layers, this distancing from it, because I don't want, I don't have the like courage to face the actual story, which is people having conversations and things happening to further the plot. So to talk about that is actually a very Lovecraftian thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. to say, like, uh, here's, here's this, this, um, the document we found, you know. Um, the story went like this. It's a story of a story. That distancing gives it kind of an air of uh, being, I don't know, like, is it kind of condescending to the material, which is these little time, these little time gates, which are essentially like the, the sides of the screen in Pac-Man where you zip out one and you come out the one on the other side. Mm-hmm, like that's mm-hmm. not a very complicated thing. Right. Not a very complicated thing, you know? Right. Well, yeah. And um, I was also, I was also thinking kind of about, uh, I don't know when I was watching it and, you know, everybody being kind of stuck in, in loops, it kind of reminded me of the sort of like meta fiction, especially the comic books that I used to really like. There's this, uh, there's this Animal Man back in the, or I think early 90s when it was relaunched. Animal Man became this kind of sentient uh, comic book character, right? And he sort of knew that he was in a comic book. It was it was pretty cool. And so he would like interrogate his creator because, you know, his family dies and all sorts of bad shit happens to him. She's like, why, why are you doing this to me? And uh, I thought it was interesting because you had, you had made a comment early on where you're like, oh, the camera just broke off from the character's and I'm not sure how I feel about that. But as the movie goes on, like, the monster is, like, the camera. Because it's, like, it's following them and taking pictures of them. And then there's even that scene, like, right. with the camera where it, like, keeps repeating endlessly. And, like, the loops are kind yeah. of, if you think of these characters as real, 
then movie characters are stuck in loops forever. And every, oh, and every time, kind of... every time you play, press like play, that. every time you press play, you're basically starting that loop over again for those characters if they were real, right? So this is kind of. I think that I like that interpretation. Yeah, that's kind of that's just kind of what I was thinking as I was watching it. It's like there's there's all this like camera imagery and all this stock footage that. Like when they finally open that big scary door and go in there, it's just reams and reams of film that I guess the creature has been keeping over the course of those years, right? And I don't get, I don't understand why. It sends them that stuff. I think it's just, my interpretation might be wrong, but it felt like uh, it's only doing that once within the loop, but they've looped so many times that over and over again they get the same they get the same information. Oh. So if you were to look at every every copy of those videotapes would be the same, I guess. And every every audio tape and every reel shows the same shit. But yeah, they just and, keep getting more of them. It's kind of good. I was just gonna say, but then I guess what that leads me to, even though I kind of like that, is like, okay, but what? But why? Why does it do that? <laughs> they don't have. They don't have any answers for that. Mm. There's there's no answer to that question. The, the, I like the idea of it, the interpretation that it's um, trapped in a movie as well. You know, I love that shit. Oh yeah. Um, but there's uh, something I was going to ask you about the. Um, oh, it, oh, the uh, the castration stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the first, like the beginning, our our text messages back and forth are just like so, so obsessed. With do that. they uh, do they have dicks <laughs> or not? Like I'm confused. Like who's who here? Who whomst amongst us has a penis? Yeah, who's got a dick? We're, we're, all we did for people listening, uh, we pushed play at the same time, and then we just uh, totally. I couldn't even pay attention because I'm like, wait, are they castrated or not? Do they have dicks? Because they yeah. talk about the Heaven's Gate sort of aspect of the cult. Right. They show these newspaper headlines and they talk about him being castrated. And we're like, sweet, do the guys talking right now have dicks? And they show a new character. Wait, does he have a dick? Right. So we kept saying, it. <laughs> who's got a dick? And then they showed the first they showed the first female character and I was like, Wait, do they cut anything off of them? What what do you do if you're a chick? You you can't lose your dick? And you're like, What was your answer? They, oh, they I said, cut uh, off their buttholes. Yeah, I said they cut off their buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> So it, it took a it took a while for us to get off the the castration thing, which turns out to be a complete MacGuffin, because they revealed spoiler alert they revealed that they were not castrated that that was just some uh, way that the guy used to scare his brother into leaving the cult. So none of our conversation needed to happen. Right, and the other thing too is <laughs> that uh, is that was so in, that I actually did like this about the movie um, was that I liked that they didn't that the cult actually kind of was not like a creepy murderous cult because when you get get there everybody's kind of granola and crunchy and i'm like there's no way that these people are going to end up being scary like they're not going to be able to make these cult members scary and uh they weren't uh, they didn't try so i was like oh thank god it's something they, else you know that's kind of like well they tried that with what was it the invitation where you go to sort of a progressive kind of hippie dinner party and they do get scary um but yeah with these guys I think the scariness was going to be that kind of happy, benevolent evil where it's like, you can stay with us. Everything will be great. Mm-hmm. And that's like, there's a creepiness there, but they also had uh, some gunplay where I thought it was going into some of that David Koresh territory, you know, there's a lot like of, there's a lot of red herrings in this movie, actually. Yeah. Like the gun stuff made you think of these guys. Cause I think I 
did I text you that or just think of it that, you know, I, when back when I thought that they all had their dicks cut off, I thought, man, that would be interesting if we had a whole group of um, cult members who were castrated, but also still gun nuts. Like, mm-hmm. is that even possible? Yeah. Can you not um, have some sort of uh, close relationship with your penis and still be into guns? Oh, that <laughs> you know? is interesting. But I think oh. you're I think you're the man to write that movie, Dave. I think that that is actually right right <laughs> up your alley. So, can you well, do we you did have write any? It. We wrote it. Oh, that's true. Did, do you have any idea what happened at the end? Because I'm massively confused by that. Why? First of all, I wait, I have, I, have a, I have a list here. I have a list here. Okay, number one, what's going on with the rope? Number two, and I'll remind you of these. Okay, so number one, what's going on with the rope? Number two, what happens at the end with the standing in the circle and the rope shows up? Number three, why is it a giant twister cloud of evil at the end? What What does that have to do with anything? Four, why does the group reappear what 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 the fuck happens man help me out with this because i got lost i think i get my theory would be that the group the group were all massacred over and over again so their loop is just bigger so they're they have a much larger loop which is they're all destroyed or taken up or whatever at the circle and um they do it but they maybe they um who knows how long their loop is their loop might be years because they uh, by the time it comes back, see, like the guys that had the little loops, they had knowledge that they were in it, but they only had knowledge they were in it at the very end. Did you notice when they, the loop mm-hmm. starts, they're, mm-hmm. they're acting out what they're, what they're supposed to do. And then towards the end, they'll have like tapes of themselves being like, and maybe they give you, that's what they do. They give each other tapes to remind themselves that they're in the loop because the one guy had a tape. And uh, he played it of him meeting his buddy over and over oh, again, and they were laughing like, oh, man, he's like, you sound like such an asshole every time we do this. And then the guy sees from a distance them resetting, and you hear those same voices that were on the tape like, hey, man, I can't believe I ran into you out here. Yeah. So after it's kind of like in a lame way, it's like 51st Dates, that Adam Sandler movie where he made tapes to remind the woman with the, um, the affliction where she had no long-term memory. Or like memento, like constant uh, reminders of what's where they're stuck. So I think that so time is passing. Time time is moving forward, but they just keep being reborn and reborn and reborn to be in within that within that that physical space over and over and over again. But it's but it still moves with our time, right? It's still it's still within our time. No, I think that those people. Um, once they were taken up to the UFO or the monster or whatever, that they've been resetting for for decades. I think that um, they came in to the loop while it was on the last days of the loop again, and they got to watch them go through the motions of being destroyed, but also very close to realizing it, like the guy who unlocks the room, like, here's all our tapes. Like where maybe those tapes remind them of what's going to happen, um, but there was Wait, a really were they interesting in a loop? line. Wait, were they in a loop, or did they get themselves into a loop at the very end? Were they had they been no, in that loop before? Loop. Yeah, because remember the girl sends the tape that she has no knowledge of at that moment. She's like saying goodbye to the to the kid. The tape oh, that he receives at the beginning, right? And. And he even mentions it. He, they even they've been drawing pictures of themselves being like absorbed by this giant monster and shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
like they know what's they know what's coming and for them it's not torture because the one kid who starts to get more back into the cult the one brother he has a, there's a very good line in that where he says he's like why do you want to stay here you'll be stuck you'll be reliving the same days over and over again and the brother says yeah out in the world though i do that same shit mm. my life's meaningless and i and i'm basically doing the same things every day so at least here i'll have he'll be repeating it but it'll be meaningful to him or at least interesting and having good conversations. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's about as close as you can get to saying, you know, Groundhog Day isn't so bad for me mm -hmm. because uh, mm -hmm. my life is pretty monotonous anyway. My life really does resemble that loop. I thought that was a great line. You know? Yeah. So what do you give it? Do you give it an almost good? Well, they answer your question about the ending. Oh, I right. think that uh, it pulled one of those like um, the end or is it? Because they get in a car, one brother convinces the other one um, that, yeah, I'm going to leave with you. Because he keeps saying, are we going to stay or are we going to go? And they finally both decide through some conversation about some brother talk that they're going to leave. And they drive towards two of those structures that indicate a gate. Um, and they think they've escaped because they're like, woohoo, we made it, bro. And But then it shows the birds doing that whole thing that they do whenever they're around a loop. Hmm. So I think essentially their loop is a little longer. What's going to happen is they're going to get to the end of their loop, which is getting a tape at home from the cult saying, why don't you come visit us? And then it's going to start over again. Hmm. And that they, I don't, they did not get out, I don't think. The brothers? Yeah, I don't think they had got out. They, um, that's why they were seeing a vortex even outside of it. And that's why if you think about their borders of their loop would be when they receive that tape from the girl. And then they, they show the cult has already regenerated. They've already restarted after being obliterated by the uh, monster or UFO. And they all give each other knowing looks as they watch that car drive away. Like we'll see them soon <laughs> or we'll see them in a couple years. I don't know however long their loop is. That's creepy. my theory. I don't know. It's creepy. I don't like it. So time travel can be creepy. Yeah, time travel is freaky. Um, as far as monsters, it did not deliver you, right? Yeah, but as no, far as the, the monsters suck balls. Of an infinite, the infinite hell, like the story The Jaunt by Stephen King, mm -hmm. the, kind of, the idea of being stuck somewhere where you're kept alive. Like, remember what the redneck said? He's like, I don't sleep anymore. It doesn't let me sleep, but it also doesn't let me get tired. Mm -hmm. So he's just miserable, right? Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, that stuff really did freak me out. Like the whole, I mean, the movie, the movie was effective. I think in in that, I think it had a really, really effective like forty minutes to it, and it was just that that the last act before it turns into a giant, uh, you know, Mad Max sandstorm that wants to eat them, and uh, after all the the, the, yeah. the talk the talky talky that I found a little bit bland, uh, there's a real good short film in there. Uh, that's that's kind of primerish, mildly Lovecraftian. For sure, I think you're absolutely. I think you're right. When you you texted me, you said, "What's up with all the slow mo, Jesus?" Yeah, um, I think you're right. I think that there is a short story worth telling there, and that the slow mo without it, um, that movie is a half hour shorter easily. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of lot of lot of stretching, uh, which makes sense giving the material. We're stretching time, but it's also um, there's there's not a lot of incident. Mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. 
if you think about exactly what happens, um, it's just a couple nights and a couple conversations. I like the stuff. I think I said something to you about it. I like the daylight horror when mm-hmm. they show when they show shit happening in bright sunlight. I've said this before. When this movie switched to nighttime um, and tried to be scary with like trees shaking and um, creepiness, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the weird sort of um, mirror effects they were doing, that stuff never looks good. It's hard to make, for at least my personal preference, to make a movie interesting in a nighttime scene is rough, especially mm-hmm. when it's... The music was cool, but I, I preferred the daylight stuff. Um, yeah, the music's but, oh, completely you're, you're, forgettable to me. Yeah, I liked it at first, but then it didn't really... It wasn't like in... Uh, what was it that we just watched? Beyond the Black Mountain? Or Rainbow. Beyond bum, the bum, Black bum, Rainbow? That kind of synth stuff. That yeah. shit is so tight. Amazing. I just, I just Googled that shit. That's, um, uh, I guess it's called, I don't know how to pronounce it, Sonoya Caves. Mm-hmm. And it's a synth rock project. Um, somebody in the, there's a psychedelic black uh, metal band called Black Mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, this guy from Black Mountain did that score for Black Rainbow um, with his this synthesizer, um, and he. And that's definitely that uh, that touch you want. You want somebody who's into that shit. And I feel like they got kind of a poor man's Radiohead mm-hmm. going in this score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, like it was kid, completely forgettable. It's a, well, I think that, I man, think that I think the problem is do. the problem is, dude, is that you can make these movies that are extremely technically proficient, where the acting is completely fine, uh, the characters are developed at the exact pace that characters should be developed, and in a, in that kind of like um, quote unquote realistic way, where we got like the shaky cam and we have people saying like cast off uh, cutesy non sequitur type stuff to each other and everything is just built just so, and just, just perfectly. But to me, that shit is just boring. I guess uh, kind of the theme of this whole podcast is that I get really bored when I can see where something is going. Right. So when you, when you take me to the camp where the creepy people are, like at least make it interesting, right? These are, these are all vanilla people who are sitting around drinking beer, doing fucking card tricks with each other and like having dumb conversations about like, I make dresses, I draw pictures, I do magic tricks. And it's like, okay, we went around the group here and we characterized them all. What was the, why do we do that? Who cares? I, I yeah. don't, I don't that's care. Why I like, that's why I like the rednecks. They, um, they kind of skipped that stuff. They did it with their performances. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the issues of the movie that if you had a lot of people who were really good actors or not as bland, like there's about four to five male leads in this that I could not pick them out of a lineup. No, I mean, um, to, to circle back to the, to the benefits of diversity, they could use some diversity in those leads. Cause we have, yeah. Some of these fucking uh, hippie white dudes, and I don't know what these dudes. I, don't, I couldn't tell them apart. No, that's the true. Yeah, me, but the same. You know what I'm saying? So you could throw if you want to throw somebody of color in there, that could have helped a lot. Um, also, you've got this kind of poor man's uh, Selma Blair. Yeah. Or like she kind of had a Nev, a Nev Campbell thing. Like if you took Nev Campbell and made a copy of a copy of her. Yeah, she's the chick who gets uh, all, who gets murked in the shower in the new Alien movie. She's the one who gets the. Oh no shit. Yeah, she gets the old tongue, the old tongue through the skull in the in the shower. 
Same one. The old, the old Say what you yeah. will about David. He's, um, got a, he's got an eye for the movie babes. He knows where the movie babes are from. He knows where the the alien rape metaphor happens. With the, uh, <laughs> any, any alien uh, forcible rape moment. Yep. Yeah, anyway, the um, I think that the movie suffers because it doesn't have a lot of star power. That's why when it got to the two rednecks, those guys were good. Oh, and dude! The movie just lights made, up when that turn when those guys show up, dude. The, yeah, it becomes a completely like different movie. Because that's what happens when you're good at it. You know, if they had leads that were good, I don't know. Do the, do the guys who write and direct these movies are they the leads? Yeah. See, that's un- unfortunate because you know they clearly love what they're doing, and just like with Primer, that sh- uh, Shane, uh, what's his name, Shane, mix, mix something. What else did he do? Something like that. He did uh, um, Upstream Color. Uh, oh, I love that he movie. Does, he, that's what I'm saying, dude. And the thing about him is he also writes, directs, and stars in his stuff. But I have a total man crush on that guy because yeah. whatever he's doing, he's doing it right. Yeah. I'm, he's very compelling. He's a very compelling presence. And uh, these dudes are not. Tragically, no. even though it's their material and, you know, they get to work with their own material and that's great. They're not very compelling. Right. They should let their, whatever their redneck buddies are, let them take over. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's just, it is, it's like, I guess in a way we've become the social justice warriors that we, cause I just, you know, I don't want to see vanilla white dudes hash their problems out. I don't know why, but there's like, there's nothing more boring to me than watching that shit. It's like, even if, dude, but even if it's, what if they're hashing out their time travel problems? I mean, that is primer. Primer worked really well. Yeah, right. Like you, you don't want to hear them. So you didn't like it when they were being characters, when they were hashing out their brother issues. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And he's like, I love it when they're hashing out their time travel situation. I like, no, exactly. I like it's that. like, I go, go into, go into bed. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, she probably love and he's like being cutesy and sarcastic and then he's telling his brother to shut up shut up shut up. i'm like god damn i don't care about this shit bro like let's get it cracking let's get let's get the color out of space here we're talking about colors that you can't see i thought i'm i thought i was you know I'm, I'm doing this i'm doing this thing i'm doing this thing that i hate that i know other people do a lot that i always criticize people for but i think one of my major disappointments about this is that i don't know i feel like i was promised a lovecraft movie and I didn't get it. There's even a Lovecraft, Lovecraft epigraph at the beginning of it. And I'm like, oh boy, we're about to get some. I don't need to see great old ones. I just, I, I feel like the the kind of cosmic dread uh, wasn't really even there. I mean, it was it was a very immediate terror. Being trapped in a time loop is very immediate, yeah. you know. And and cosmic dread is supposed to have this space, you know. But I guess they share the fear of the infinite. Right. But I just, I just wasn't getting any, and like, and you have a cult, but it's like, it's an idea that's clever because it flips things on its head. It's like, what if the cult, instead of being like the Dagon cult, you know, that's going to like sacrifice you to a fish God or whatever. What if they're actually nice and cool? It's like that, but that doesn't make for a compelling movie unless you're going to make it real. The movie could have also been just, the movie could have been so many things. It could have been funnier it could have been scarier. It could have been. It could have gotten to right. the. It could have gotten to the fucking that's what you were, time travel faster. You hit the nail on the head earlier when you said, "Oh, it got entertaining." We no nobody should minimize the benefits of being just entertaining. Mm-hmm. Entertaining can make a a bad movie sore, you know. Yeah. 
And if you have a good idea, and if you have like an intriguing time travel thing, you can, if you just throw in some fucking not, I just, we shouldn't come back to jokes. <laughs> if you throw in some jerk off jokes. Yeah. But if you throw in some, enter, some entertainment, which is what those performances were by the two redneck guys, um, the movie lights up. Yeah. Because that's, and you're being, you're being entertained. I was watching the clock myself when we started it. Me I was too. kind of pacing. Like, I texted you about oh, an hour in. I was like, dude, I'm bored, man. When is this, when is this shit going to crack off? And then, uh, yeah, so it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, I'm definitely going to check out that first movie though. Cause if there's a whole movie about the redneck guys, yeah, then I, that's actually, I that's the movie I wanted to watch and I didn't get it. Um, yeah, if that's what it is, I love the idea of, uh, are they going to have some sort of time loop as drug, uh, withdrawal? Because that could be both a punishing viewing experience, but also a fun one. It's yeah. definitely a fun way to use that time travel. Yeah, I think that I think that might be it because I mean they are they're literally that's the plot of the movie. Let me see. I just looked it up on IMDb and it's uh, yeah it's the they go to a cabin so that he can kick his crack habit and they end up getting stuck in a time loop. So and it has the monster and everything apparently in it as well. So it's that's interesting. I, I have no proof. I have no proof of this, but I wonder if it's all part of the same script and that. When they did that first one, they didn't have enough. They're like, let's just film this one moment, and then when they yeah, dude, because they, they knew the they, they had to know deep down that that was where the that was where the fucking juice was. You know what I mean? It's like, the, well, yeah. let's let's go with this yeah. one. This is the actual story, and then they do that creator thing, and I'm guilty of it as well, man. In my own books, where I'll have a peripheral character, and I'll be like, what if there was a whole book about this peripheral character? And it's like, wait, no, why would I do that? That's that's stupid. That's what the endless feels like to me. It's like they had this great idea right and then they're like because i'm see, i'm looking at the cast list right now and the guy the directors are also in resolution as they're listed as cult members so they're in the movie so i wonder if they finish that and they're like what what's those guys story it's like nobody cares dude we want to see the redneck right. kicking crack who's also stuck in a yeah, time loop it, that's a fucking plot for the ages got, right there they they I hate the phrase stay in your lane, but as an indie movie, staying with the, like you said, the juice of it, mm-hmm. um, it was was probably the best move. It's like, uh, like fucking Goodwill Hunting, when famously they wrote that script, and you've seen the movie, I assume, and that, you've seen Goodwill Hunting, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, so in that script, they, Originally, it was full of car chases, and the government was trying to get a hold of his brain to use him for to crack codes or whatever. Right. And they gave it to the and they gave it to what's his name, the dude who wrote Princess Bride, William Goldman. Mm-hmm. And he sent back to him. He goes, "Cut everything but the two relationships or the three relationships. Keep the psychologist. Keep the relationship with the girl, and keep the relationship with the dudes. Um, cut all action." And and it's funny because. To them, that was probably the worst news, you know, when you think you've, you've got this big epic story. Right. And it, on, if you didn't see Goodwill Hunting and, you, and somebody said um, that there was a movie that had the government trying to get this guy to break codes and stuff, that sounds a lot more interesting, doesn't it? Right. Than saying, well, here's a story about a kid who's an asshole yeah. who does math, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. he gets in a couple fist fights. But turns out that dude was right. You know, they he knew where the where the juice was mm-hmm. and these guys might have um they might I, I suspect they had a big story originally and because of the limitations and because of maybe some 
other eyeballs on the project, they said, do this sequence. This sequence is, can be a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the same as if somebody was like, here's Goodwill Hunting 2, which they essentially did in uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, hunting season. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Where uh, Gus, Gus Van Zandt is just, uh, nope. he's just counting his money. And they're like, Gus, right. what, where, where am I supposed to be standing? And he's like, I told you, Ben, I'm busy. And he's just counting his money. That's a great gig. Um, so yeah. I, I want to put this one to bed. I want to put this one to bed, but I want to, I want to pitch something to you here in the podcast. Um, how do you feel about watching like a mini series, like a six hour thing? Do you think you can hack that? Or are you going to be busy? Yeah, sure. Um, w- depends on the series. Okay. So I've been, I'm two episodes into channel zero, the first season of channel zero. Have you seen that? I've never even heard of it. What's, okay. What channel is it on? Sci-fi. And so okay. it's a it's a it's a horror anthology show, kind of like American Horror Story, but it's all based around uh, like internet ghost stories. And so far, the first two episodes of this season are very very effective. It's done by uh, Nick Antosca. You know that guy? What did he do? Oh, he was a he was a Bizarro writer actually before he started doing Channel Zero. I think he also wrote for Teen Wolf, the TV series. Um, anyway, I'm not pitching it great, but the first uh, the first two episodes have um, it's this kids show that uh, appears every 20 years called Candle Cove, and it's got these really creepy puppets that tell kids to kill each other. And there's this creature that's like the, the tooth fairy that's somehow related, and it's this this just creepy being that's covered in teeth. Um. Anyway, it's worth checking out. But it's so kind of a Black Mirror anthology show kind yeah. of dealy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But I'll uh, try to. I will try to find it. I'll try to get a hold of that. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, what do you, What do you say? Yeah, thanks do you for go, uh, go watch the endless. Thanks or for what? enduring me driving around looking for my food. <laughs> oh, let's keep talking at the same time. I'm sure people love that. Yeah. <laughs>